0: Hi, I'm Stephanie E.K.
1: And I'm Angelica Wandu. And we are the hosts of The Same Room. And today we have Chance the Rapper for the very first special of The Same Room. And trust me, you're about to see Chance like you've never seen him before. This was such a good interview, right? Like
0: incredible, like Chance was just no holds back. His honesty, his vulnerability, his wisdom. I mean, you just gotta check it out. This
1: definitely has to be one of my favorite Same Room interviews of all time.
0: Yeah, Yeah. and it might be yours too. Mm -hmm. Chance, it is such a pleasure to have you in the same room. How are you doing?
2: I'm good. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Awesome. Awesome. I mean, so the same room was all about bridging culture and
1: faith. And we really wanted you here because you're one of those people that first of all, you're in the hip hop community, right? Mm -hmm. So you're definitely in culture, but you are very vocal about your faith. And you've always been. And so we are excited to talk to you. And just before we started filming, I told you about my Jesus story. So one of the first questions I want to ask you is how did you come to Jesus? Like, like, how did you really start believing in Jesus?
2: Uh, I think my relationship with Jesus changed over time, like everyone's does. Uh, I was raised in the church, you know, my, my great grandmother was one of the, like people that kind of founded my church and, uh, you know, went to vacation Bible school and stuff <laughs> like that. And what you know, when you're a kid, your relationship to your faith is, uh, is largely, based off of how your parents are, you know, the limit of the experiences that you have being a kid, and then you get into the world and you're challenged with all these things that uh, go against your faith or don't align with your faith and eventually start to just naturally make human decisions based on the reasoning you learn from the people around you. And uh, and I would think for most people, Jesus has to reveal himself to you and, you know, soften your heart. and. Yeah, I basically just had a whole bunch of <laughs> painful experiences over time and had to keep, you know, bumping my head until I figured out, you know, a different way. And, you know, like I said, it changed over time. So I feel like I, I came into my faith as an adult when I was 20, I think. I, I moved out here and I had no rules or restrictions and a lot of access. And it eventually broke me down till I had to kind of, I literally had to move back to Chicago just to center myself, but also like, you know, put me in a position of weakness where I had to, you know, call on a on a, on a a bigger strength than I had myself. And then when I had my first kid, when I had Kinsley, uh, you know, she was, um, she was born sick. She had something called atrial flutter, which is kind of like a irregular heartbeat. And so she was in NICU for a little while after she was first born and it was honestly my wife's faith and, and the faith that that instilled in me that gave me a closer, you know, relationship to God and understanding that, you know, He's in control.
0: That's incredible. Have you ever had like a moment where you felt like you heard the voice of God for yourself?
2: Totally. A lot of times I feel like God speaks to us through other people. And so you got to use your discernment to know when somebody's talking from their fleshly selves or if they're, you know, imparting some sort of wisdom on you. But I've I felt like I've had a lot of conversations with angels or moments in time where I was really blessed by my relationship with just people. But my pastor says that when you hear you hear God's voice in silence, so it comes from prayer or just sitting and being still sometimes and and yeah.
1: Wait, so when you said angels, were you talking about people, angels? I'm talking about people. Are you talking about people? What? <laughs> no, no Stephanie. <laughs> listen, we,
0: We've had some interesting experiences yeah. <laughs> where you meet people. Like, have you ever had like one of those moments where someone just shows up randomly to you and you turn around and they are gone? Like they say something that you're like, that sounds like the voice of God, right? Not, and then uh, you're just like, where'd
2: they go? <laughs> yeah, not in like a movie way where like a car drives by and they're not there no more. <laughs> not to that level. But yeah when I was just talking about like my daughter when she was sick we were in the hospital for I think like a week maybe and one night I went downstairs to go grab some flowers and stuff for Kirsten and there was this lady that I think she was experiencing cancer our daughter was born at a woman's hospital that like deals with breast cancer and a lot of like you know needs for women and uh, there was this woman down there who I think she was she was battling cancer and she just started speaking to me, and I guess she, she told me she could tell that there was something wrong, and she asked if she could pray over me. And um, Actually, that was the last thing she did. She just talked to me for a long time, and she seemed like she didn't know who I was or cared who I was, and just like, you know, very much so calmed me. And then, yeah, then she prayed for me, and, and yeah, I've never seen that woman again. I don't know her name or anything, but I do believe that um, the same way that we could be influenced by, you know, uh, negative or sinful thoughts, sometimes we can also have the voice of God on us.
0: That's beautiful. What would you say, like, even when you talked about discerning, like, you know, knowing how to discern what's coming from a person or what's coming from God, like, how would you say you've grown in building, like, spiritual discernment even in your life?
2: So I think discernment is both a, a skill and a talent. So it's like a talent in that, like, I think there's some people that are just touched by God in a way that they have a, a another sensory you know um, just way of like detecting like what's what's for them and what's not for them and stuff like that that's just like you know there's some people like that just special people and then also I think it's a skill in that you have to be in your word and like you know know what God's um, plan for you is and what righteousness looks like and what um, you know I just think I think it's like a, it's a two-sided thing. So I think I've I've grown in it for sure because I've you know you learn as you get older and stuff. But then also, I do believe that myself and some people that I've been lucky enough to be, you know, placed in the lives of, naturally have a a sense of like we could just feel when some stuff is off.
1: That's me, like, I have a hard time. Discernment is my hard thing. Like, I could be around wolves and be like, oh, (laughs) kitty cat, like, you know what I mean? Like, like, (laughs) no, for real, my family has to be like,
0: Angelica, you can't see, like, I
1: I have to pray about discernment because I need more of it, yes. You gotta pray
2: for stuff like that, for sure.
0: I love that. And even like just hearing even your story, like when you talk about growing in discernment and when you even talked about your faith, you talked about moments where it took you through like a journey. Was there like any key point or any key marker in your life where you were like, okay, God, I'm going to, I really want to surrender. Like, this is it. Like, was that with your daughter? Was that that moment? Was the end? Like, what was that key moment in your life?
2: Several times, all the time. (laughs) I'm brought to my knees a lot. I think we all have like you know moments in our lives where we if we think about it we can remember where we were at what we would call our breaking point mm-hmm. you know and, and and you know you can look back on it and laugh at it like damn, I thought that was going to take me down like and it was so small and insignificant, but in those moments it's so heavy and um and yeah i've had a I've had a quite a few times i mean i I don't want to keep bringing it back, but yeah, when my daughter was first born, I was very scared um I've had times when I've been in hospitals for friends that passed away or that made it through that I've you know had to surrender and um, you know um I think it's like i've I've brought it up earlier, but when when I was out here when I was living in l a and I just had so much access and money and you know popularity and just freedom to do what I want, um it wasn't until I, I don't know what it is the best way to describe it but I feel like God can kind of just like tug on your heart and make you feel like mm-hmm. heavy and like you need a, um, a higher you know
1: it's not fulfilling yeah mm-hmm. like you get you get all the things that you thought would make you happy you get the money and mm-hmm. all this and then it's just empty yeah it's insatiable like
2: it to- exactly yeah. Insatiable is yeah. the perfect word that they, they, Jesus is the prince of peace right yeah. So like the idea of like peace is you know calm within the storm, not necessarily afterwards, you know what I mean? And it's like the ability to know that you can stand on something and and be protected by it and have faith that, that you're going to be all right. And not even that you're going to be all right, that you are all right. Um, and, yeah, money doesn't bring peace and fame doesn't bring peace. And even relationship and humans doesn't bring peace. It's about your alignment with God. So
1: but do you feel like when you found god you found peace or are you still looking for that ultimate peace?
2: no i think jesus is something that you need to you know re-up on every day (laughs) type thing you know what i'm saying because the experiences that we have in this world whether it's the anger or the lust or the jealousy or the you know feelings of being low and and not seeing yourself as who god made you to be that like you gotta keep re-upping with jesus and uh and so, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm definitely not at peace most of the time, you know? But it just comes down to like, recentering yourself and reminding yourself.
0: Yeah, but it's, it's interesting because you exemplify someone who like walks in, God got me, it's all gonna be good. Because even when I think about like, right before the pandemic, right? And canceling your world tour. And for many people, it's like, secure the bag, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? And for you, it's like, it's not worth it. Like, I want to be with my family, like, when we read about things like that, what that communicates is someone who is walking in the peace of God and recognizing like I don't this doesn't define me, like it's bigger than this, you know?
2: Oh thank you. Yeah, I feel like I I definitely don't have it all figured out and I definitely do walk in fear a lot, you know. And you know, fear is not a God, so it's like when you when you have the realization that you're operating in fear, operating in confusion, like that's, uh, you know, that could be largely helpful to you because it makes you realize that you're not being who you really are, who you're supposed Mm -hmm. to be. Um, But yeah, I mean, like, I think we all make decisions based on what we think is right at that moment. And we just have to sometimes try and remind ourselves that God has a plan for all of us and that he's not gonna bring us into anything that's too too much for us, you know, or too much for us with him. There's a lot of things that would be too much for us alone, you know.
1: What would you say is that nagging fear? Because I think for me, my fear is like, I don't want to say an oxymoron, but it's like, my fear is like not pleasing God. Like, Mm -hmm. I always think, dang, God's mad at me. Or not like that, (laughs) but like, is God okay with where I'm going? Am I walking in the right steps? And like, that fear sometimes can be debilitating, right? Mm -hmm. So what would you say is your biggest fear?
2: Oh man, I have so many fears. I, I, you know, I fear for the safety of my kids, I fear for the safety of my family, I fear for my own safety, I fear for, you know, not pleasing people, I fear not pleasing God, I fear, you know, uh, just anything, you know, life is life. But I think when it comes to being fearful of of not pleasing God, it's like one thing that we always have to remember is that we are not God and we're not God incarnate like our 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 job is to try and you know um, model our lives after Jesus but we're never going to be perfect we weren't born sinless we're probably all going to sin again at some point um but it's like to know God's love for you to know like how he sees you and and he sees you at your at your full potential he sees your you know you know uh just how you know he sees himself he built you in his image. And so you're strong and you're beautiful and you're, you know, courageous and you're, you're all these things. Um, But at the end of the day, you are not flawless. You're, Mm -hmm. you're of the, of this world, you know, and we just have an opportunity to know what being holy looks like or feels like. And we're supposed to attempt to go for that all the time, even though it's not the easiest route.
0: Yeah. And even when you talk about that, because like, when, I, like, when you think of Chance the Rapper, right, the first thing that comes to mind, for me, is someone who is a light, right? A light and in, in one of the darkest industries, right? So even when you talk about that fear, like a thing that comes to mind is pressure, right? Even when you say like, you know, scared about a lot of things because you wake up to just a bunch of unknown possibilities of life. But even at, in your artistry, like do you ever have the fear of like just the peer pressure, right? Because then in, as a musician, like what do the people want to hear versus like, yeah. is this pleasing to God or is this pleasing people? Like, is I'm a hot, you know, is it a win-win or are people going to like give me hate for this? Like, do you sometimes deal with that even in oh, your man. artistry?
2: All the time. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I operate in, first of all, I operate in the world. Like there's, we have to deal with the real world. Like yeah. we want to live in, you know, the way that God wants us to, but also like, the current world isn't all the way set up for that, right? So, you know, just operating that way in daily decisions and how I conduct myself is is tough. But definitely in the music and and I actually wrote a song about it recently. Like the last song that I that I released was called "The Heart and the Tongue," and it's about this battle that, you know, you know, they say the tongue is the most you know is the most evil part of your body, you know, and it and it can commit a million sins a day. Um, it's, and it's really powerful. That's my job is to use my written word to like express what I see in the world and how I feel and who I am. And my tongue can be deceiving. Like I, can, I can say things that are not true or not you know, of it or whatever, and, and still witness success in this, in this world on this plane. And my heart at the same time could want to express things that uh, you know, are of it or are holy or whatever, and it not be accepted or loved, or, if, or even if it is accepted and loved, it could be not true about me. You know what I mean? Like, uh, that's, that's one of the, the heaviest things is to attempt to, to tell what you know, to, to, you know, tell the gospel, to preach the word, to, like, tell the truth, but also not be Jesus is a tough thing. You know what I mean? That's a lot of people's thing that separates them from wanting to be in church is that they experience people who don't, Feel like Jesus to them, mm-hmm. you know. But, you know, Paul is probably one of the most important figures in the Bible, and he persecuted hundreds of Christians. And
1: <laughs> I like all the people. I like all the people in the Bible that murdered or killed, yeah. or, and then God, yeah. you know, because I'm like, you okay, know. if you could kill, if you could do, yeah. if you could persecute Christians, I know God can forgive me yeah. for mm-hmm. what I've done. You know what I
2: mean? God doesn't throw yeah. people away, man.
1: But it's interesting because you said the tongue is the most evil part and I, normally people say the heart
2: the heart so what i understand about the heart is that god is in control of the heart right so even though it's like one of our most powerful feelers and it you know makes a lot of decisions for us uh it's only it's only god that can make your heart move one way or the other right so like they talk about the uh, the old pharaoh and in, the, in, in, in uh, exodus when they, when they're leaving egypt and, uh, and he's witnessing all these miracles and all these acts of God brought on through Moses. And everybody can see, like, nigga, it wasn't no <laughs> plagues a couple months ago. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't so frogs awesome. flying and stuff like that. Like, I think this God is real. Yeah. But what God did was he gave the Pharaoh a heart of stone. He didn't want him to see the miracles that he had because he had to, you know, exact his rage. I'm sorry, not rage. His wrath on the world. And... Uh, and it wasn't until he had gone through all these acts that he decided to give the pharaoh a heart of flesh to see what was really going on and, and and let his people go, and and that could happen to us in real life to this day. I think some people just have hearts of stone, and and it's on God's timing when to give them that heart of flesh.
0: That's really I loved how you even talk about that because when you said that, made me think about you know the scripture that says, "Let the weak say, I am strong.'" Yeah. But the whole the whole essence of like speaking like what you speak even how the, the word of God talks about how like the, the tongue is like a sword yeah. right like you know your words can cut it can heal all of that even in life right when we think about a lot of our trauma and a lot of the things that we go through like it was words that were said when we were younger that shaped how we thought that because even when like even you as an independent artist like were there, were there things connected to the words that came from your father or your mother that shaped you in those moments where like hey there's a deal in front of you and then you're hearing what your father said your mother said right
2: yeah no they i think words are extremely important we call god is the word you know what i mean like if you like the revelation says like the the big moment for us is the moment where uh every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess the, the jesus is lord you know what i'm saying so like words in themselves god spoke the word the world into existence like the word is extremely powerful and as a parent you have like such a huge responsibility in raising up building up disciplining you know talking to your children and and you're right your voice will resonate far past all the people and environments that they go through because you're a hundred percent right when i was in those meetings i was in a meeting one time when I was in this right, I'm not going to say who I was with, but I was, I was at this record label back when I was, you know, 2012, I was looking for a deal. And, uh, and I remember I played them a couple of songs and they were like, we're about to go get a contract for you right now. And they walked out, printed out a contract, wow. basically locked us in the room and came back in and put it on the table like we were supposed to sign in that meeting. And I kind of felt pressure, like, look, it's money. I came up here for a meeting. I don't know I was getting paid. Like, I'm going to do this. Yeah. But I could, I could just remember my mom. Uh, telling me right before I got on the plane, don't sign shit. I was like, I just remember those three words like that whole time. And uh, and luckily I made it out of that room unsigned until this day. But it's like those little things that your parents instill in you, they stay with you forever.
1: I feel like contracts are like big traps, you know, uh, that can take away and instill your God-given purpose sometimes. Uh, I know me, like, I heard a voice in 2017 when I found Jesus Mm -hmm. not to take investment money. Mm -hmm. And it was the hardest thing because the amounts of money I've been offered or just the the people I've been, you know, had to pass up, Mm -hmm. it takes an extreme amount of faith to say no when it's the, it looks like the easier route, you Mm -hmm. know? So how much would you say like, just give us like an idea of how the kind of faith it takes for you to continue to be independent when we know that you could just take money here, you know, and this (laughs) and that. Yeah.
2: For well, for me, for now, it's easier because I've been blessed with a lot of money, so now I don't have to worry about it anymore. But it was a tough thing for a long time. And I used to, you know, being, you know, being independent means you fund everything yourself, so you go broke a lot, and you, and people see certain things that you have, the tours that you're doing, or the stuff that you put out, and they're like, oh, like it looks like you're doing great, but really you're just betting on yourself over and over again. Um, but I think like, for me, what's weird is that like, I sometimes, I, I often look at my independence as like a sign of like, how close I am to God, but also it's, it is a lot about control, you know? It is a lot about not having somebody else to be able to tell me what I can and can't do, when I can do, where I can do, whatever. And, you know, that's extremely freeing and liberating. But also like, you do need to have God in control at least a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, I I feel like not being in control can sometimes mean you're out of control, you know? You still have to be disciplined and stuff. So it's been tough for me, you know, in the past, um, to like, you know, to really just like be going through a lot of different things and especially earlier when I was broke, you know, being, trying to find ways to get monies to like, to put on a show or to Mm -hmm. get the the buses or get stuff like that. But, yeah, I don't know. I think also it's like, I know this industry is hella evil, so I'm getting that. Like, do I really want to sign with these niggas? Like, do I want to have to do anything for these niggas? No. So, you know, I don't know.
0: No, but I think that's beautiful because it's like the essence of like going into something with the awareness of the consciousness of like purpose, right? Because I remember when you, on Rhythm and Flow, there was this guy, this artist who, he like he was doing a music video right in a church and they're like, the cross is upside down, it's looking real demonic. And you told him that you were like, hey, like take creative control over your stuff because people are going to try to twist the message. And so I think that's the beauty, even when what you've modeled as an independent artist, like showing people like, hey, you know, if you're going into this with an awareness, like I'm an assignment, you know, you're not just so easy to just kind of sell yourself short, really.
2: Yeah, it's all about intention. And you're right. Like having that creative control and being intentional about what you're putting out there is so important because everything like we're doing this interview right now, the people that are watching it feel like it's us three, but there's at least 10 or 11 other people that are on the set making this happen. Right. And then there's going to be Like you said, people that go in and post and edit what we put together and they're going to each person is going to have some sort of artistic imprint on it. Mm. But at the end of the day, if it's your works, it's representing you and your soul and and who you are and what you believe in. And so I've been in plenty of positions where I put something together and then in between it coming out of me and getting to the listener, something got switched up or lost in translation. And you and you gotta be deliberate, cause yeah, niggas are definitely turning the cross upside down, and in <laughs> Windows Movie Maker or whatever they editing your video on, and you get you know. But you, I I did I did appreciate that show so much, cause it put us in a position to like really just give our own insight and our own understanding of what it is, you know, directly to these you know these young artists and 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 be able to just speak about it uh, truly and freely.
1: When you say like there's the 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 evils that mm. happen behind the scenes sometimes or in the music industry. Are we talking about Illuminati evil <laughs> or are we talking about like business, kind, con- like just people wanting to be greedy? Or- like, like, how deep does the evil go?
2: It's all the same thing. I think people are people first of all, right? So spiritual evil is only exacted through people, you know? It's not like random acts of God that are evil. You know, it's, it's the intention behind hurting somebody, taking something from somebody, making someone feel lower controlling somebody um and we know that secret societies exist because they're not even really that secret anymore but god is always in control yeah. mm-hmm. niggas bleed just like us mm-hmm. i'm not afraid of anybody yeah. and i go with god so i feel like it's like you can you can see how there have been people you know extremely influential beautiful people that have been blackballed or been put out of the spotlight or been put in, in bad positions or been, you know, made to be publicly, you know, had their characters assassinated and stuff. And, and, and we know that a lot of times there's intention behind it and that there's people that don't like them for various reasons and put them in bad positions. But again, I'll say God is in control at the end of the day. We've seen Dave Chappelle lose all, all platforming, TV, movie, even, even being blackball from being able to play shows for, I think it was nine or ten years, and now he's the biggest and, and widely considered the greatest comedian of all time. And, and that's nothing to me more than him being, you know, closely connected to God, mm-hmm. knowing his own self-worth and being able to say, I'm taking my ball and going home. Yeah. If I, I don't have to play by anybody's rules. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And, This is what God blessed me with as a talent. I I am who I am. Yeah, I
0: like that. Yeah, because it makes me think, one of your records on the big day, you have this lyric that I love that, like, remember the enemy is not of the flesh, Mm -hmm. right? And so even though these attacks are coming through people, there's a different agenda against it. Like, you know, you have a kingdom agenda and we want to tear it down, right? So even like that, because it makes me also think about how when it came even to your marriage, like, the warfare that came against that when you're celebrating something beautiful with the big day, right? Because one of the things about you is that you are such a disruptor, you know, because even as a rapper, celebrating marriage is so counterculture, right? And when you're doing that, the warfare that came against that made me think about that very lyric, like, the enemy is not of the flesh, you know, Mm -hmm. how, like, how do you navigate those moments when you're seeing those comments or seeing different things? Like, how do you navigate and recognize like, this is warfare. Like this is not even about what they're talking about.
2: It's hard to, it's really hard to, you have to constantly remind yourself. I don't know the exact scripture that that line comes from, but it's something along the lines of our enemy is not of the flesh. Mm -hmm. Our enemy is spiritual wickedness and evil in high places. Right? So we, like I said earlier, we're influenced. Like, uh, I don't think of the devil as like this big giant dude with horns. It's like, it's, like, it's like, no, it's like a really little impish thing that can just speak envy into you or speak jealousy into you or speak hatred or speak fear or speak whatever into you. And then you have to exact that. And at the same time, I think we're blessed enough to have angels in our life. We're blessed with the cheat code. We got the manual. <laughs> at the end of the day, if you ever really want to look up what, is, what it is, but I think like, I, I have to remind myself in times like, no, this person doesn't hate me. They don't even hate what I did or what I said. They're just, what I'm doing, what I'm talking about, what I believe in at this moment, is counterintuitive to what the enemy wants. Yeah. And so he's going to use whoever he can, however he can, to, to not allow that to happen. But again, God is in control. <laughs> I'm straight. We're going to be all right. Yeah. Um, and that, but I, I think like it is a good thing to, to just keep that in mind because it's so easy to grow to hate people or to, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> resent someone because of their actions. But, you know, you're not the sum of your actions. You're, it's like there's, I think everybody has the ability, everybody has God within them and and the ability to do great things. It's just, we live in a fallen world and we're fleshly beings and it's just, sometimes it hurts us.
1: Yeah. So you have such a beautiful family and you spoke you. openly about like celibacy mm-hmm. and I'm celibate, Stephanie, <laughs> would you call yourself celibate or just abstinent? I've been celibate since birth. <laughs> She's been celibate since birth. <laughs> So um, I just came to celibacy after a wild run, um, but I, I wanted to know, <laughs> it's true, um, I wanted to know, like, what, what do you feel like is the benefit of celibacy? Like, how does that strengthen a relationship?
2: I think it builds a dependency on God. Mm-hmm. It makes you look at yourself uh, as who you are, because it's just like fasting, you know, like you know, you do an intermittent fasting with your with your church, and on the first day, it doesn't seem that hard. And on the second day, it seems a little bit hard. And by the third day, you like look like you lost thirty pounds, and you just like, but it's that's your mind and your and your flesh telling you, you know, the opposite of what God is telling you is true. And so, I think it gives you a good look at yourself. I I, I became celibate because my wife went celibate, right? So like, I was. At first, it was very involuntary. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> like niggas as husbands could all know you could become celibate any any time. Like I, it's like, a, but it was a it was a it really did show me myself and mm-hmm. led me to to understand. Um, and this was also before we were married. But like you know, it it made me just have to understand who I was better and like what because. You know, I just learned something really recently, um, and it's like a hard concept that I'm still getting over, so I hope nobody blames me or says that I said this, but I was learning this, that, you know, you can, how do I say this? You know, as men we try and avoid lust, right? We we don't want to be controlled by our, you know, sexual desires, and, 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 and the Bible says, if a man even looks on another man's wife, uh, Sexually, he's committed lust in his heart, you know what I mean? Right. And so we we fight against that. And then certain of us, like, we get married and we feel like we beat that, you know. Mm-hmm. But what I was learning recently was that you can have lust within your marriage. You can lust after your wife. Mm-hmm. And that sounds crazy to most niggas that's married. Like, how? Like, <laughs> I did so much. How could you even put that on me? But sex can become an idol. And uh, And the idea of lust is that we are putting something above God in terms of how we believe it to be a need or, or a desire. Yeah, that's so, interesting. Yeah, it's a crazy thing to think about, but you, you stay in a marriage and at a certain point, sex becomes an object or it becomes transactional. And, it, and, it, and it's this thing that, you know, no matter how much we fight or no matter how much I, you know, we don't see each other, no matter how much the kids are making both of us tired, we gotta do this. Like, this is something that I need, it's something I want, especially for men. and. You have to, you know, that's why I think like, celibacy gives you an opportunity to live with somebody and live in a relationship with somebody without having, everybody likes sex, like, I like sex, you know what I'm saying, I'm sure y'all like sex, like it's a cool thing, but it's like, you know, it it can be very demanding of us and it can be very like, you know, just take up a lot of the space in our heart.
0: Mm-hmm. And so even like even in encourage like encouraging people, let's say to take maybe people who are deciding to take like the celibacy journey, right? Because mm-hmm. um, what you're like what I'm hearing is even how it keeps you uh, present, yeah. like even in a in a marriage in a committed relationship where it's not just this transactional thing, but you can be present for the person. Because I think many times like one of the things that I've heard even in like counseling sessions with married couples is when one of the things that like breaks the marriage is the husband feeling like he's demanding sex and she's not giving it to him, and she's demanding emotional connection and he's not giving it to her. You know, so that's really interesting.
2: Yeah, somebody said, they said, um, men need sex to feel close, Mm -hmm. and women need to feel close to want sex.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Facts. Facts. So there's gonna be some men watching this, of course, you know, because you're on here. Um, So what would you tell young men um, to look for when, choosing that life partner like what are some of the key characteristics
2: that's a great question i think if niggas could just choose their wives it'd be way more people married like niggas we don't <laughs> it's not that easy like we're not choosing we're getting chosen like it's a, uh, it's uh i think you know uh, I'm, I'm trying to think it's like it's just not, it's not Build-A-Bear. Like you can't like yeah. say like, this is what I want. Cause nobody's perfect. Like if you a nigga and you know everything that you want.
1: Well, like is patience important in, in your life mm-hmm. or like is like, what, what are some- like, Kindness. Kindness. Like what are some of the things that
2: you- Yeah. Yeah. You definitely want somebody that's kind. You want somebody that's patient. You want somebody that's loving. You want somebody that's, you know, uh, that you could believe could, you know, spend the rest of your life with. But is anybody all of these things, all the time, ever? No. Is the person that's asking for those things, all those things? No. It's like, you know, I think we're on a life journey and along this, you know, life journey, you find people that hopefully align with your goals that make you want to be better, that make you want to try harder. And I think God chooses your wife for you. I think God chooses your husband for you. And sometimes we fight who that person is supposed to be because we have our own ideals of like, I want somebody that makes this much money a year. I want somebody that's gonna rub my back every Thursday or like whatever, <laughs> so whatever type of shit that you dream up. Yeah, like there's a reason why they call it a dream girl, cause they don't exist, nigga. Like you're not nobody's dream man. Like we just we just are who we are, and we and, and we make decisions to try and be better or or to fall into old patterns, and you know, it is what it is. I think that I think. The main things that somebody should be looking for, if you're a, I can only speak from my perspective, if you're black and you're a man of God and you want children, then you should find yourself a black woman who loves God and wants children and everything else, you know, will fall into place.
0: Yeah. And I love how you talked about, like, God chooses your spouse for you because you saw your wife when you were nine. A
2: little boy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Did like in that moment, what was it that cap- that captured you like seeing her at that age?
2: I mean, so. All okay, right. So speaking honestly, like I didn't talk to her. I saw her, <laughs> but I didn't speak to her. We were at uh, her mother owned like this, this very owns this very uh, successful black owned real estate company in Chicago. My mom worked for her as an agent back then and they would have these parties, these like uh, like Halloween or Christmas themed parties, and we would go to them with our parents and the and her daughters would uh, do like Destiny's Child or TLC dance performances <laughs> and uh, that they would choreograph themselves or whatever. And I, and I used to dance, that was also my thing. Like before I knew that I wanted to rap or do poetry or do anything, I used to dance. So basically I'm at this party they make us all gather around in a circle, these girls come out, they're doing, I think it was Survivor or something like that. And I remember I was just staring at this one girl on the left the whole time, because she was so pretty to me. And my, I remember my dad pushed me in my back, and he's like, go do the tussie roll. I was like, nigga, please, like, <laughs> ruining everything. And, uh, and I never spoke to her, but we got older, you know, eventually had a whole bunch of life experiences. She had lived in Texas at one point for school. And then I came down to Texas for South by Southwest. Her best friend was dating my best friend and we reconnected. And then when we got back to Chicago and not reconnected because we didn't know we knew each other from a can of paint. Like this was just a girl, this woman that I met. And when we got back to Chicago, we found out our family connection. We kept hanging and uh, and I definitely felt I felt the divinity in knowing her prior to you know, everything that happened in my life. And then even at that point when I met her in 2012, like I released my first mixtape, 10 Day, but I wasn't, definitely wasn't popping. You know what I mean? I was I was, I was actually a roadie for a, for a band called Kids these days. Like I would help them carry the equipment in and out and stuff. But, uh, you know, I I do feel like she was placed in my life. I was placed in her life. We, you know, we've connected for 10 years and have two, of the best children in the world I like guess it's, uh, it's definitely a blessing
1: That's awesome. it's beautiful when you especially lasting that long you know what mm-hmm. I mean um so you feel like there is the one that God ordains for you I
2: think yeah I think God is it a
1: voice though like how do you know like how do you know
2: I think it's a voice but it's also actions and how things happen and the timing of things and mm-hmm. and uh and then just the proof is in the pudding like I've known uh, she's the longest relationship I've had she's you know the best relationship I've had. She's the, you know, the smartest, probably most, you know, loving, independent. Like she's, you know, she's the the cream, they like cream. Come you know on, now you had hyper
0: rap. This is the truth. I love it. No, it's the truth.
2: I mean, I'm not too shabby myself, but <laughs> you know, I I think that like we're also still just people, you know. Mm. And I think that it's not so much always like predestiny in that mm. it's. It's like, oh yeah, I. This is this is who you're gonna be with, and no matter what happens, this is how it's gonna go. I still think that God can take you through all types of stuff. Very true. But I think that uh, I think you have to create space for your blessings. You have to, you know, make room for the things you pray for. You have to like be intentional about what you want and how you want things to go, and you also have to be able to accept your shortcomings, your, your failures, your, and, and, and try and remain in what you know about God and not, and, and try not to throw out everything if you fall short, or if you, if you struggle at points, or if you, you know, whatever it is, like, um, I think, I just don't want to make it as simple as, like, there's the one out there waiting for you and you got to find them. They live in Korea or whatever shit like that. Like it's not like that. I think I think you like I said, if you're a black man who loves God and wants children, you find somebody that's a black woman that loves God and wants children. That's your one.
0: No, I love that. And even talking about like the you know, the proof is in the pudding. Right. And even just circling back to your amazing project with the big day and how like I think you talked about the inspiration came from your cousin doing oh, the yeah. percolator. Oh <laughs> yeah,
2: that is true. Yeah, he was...
1: <laughs> Which percolator
0: was it? Was it JT? It was JT?
2: the, the Southside percolator. Oh. No, 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 no. No, <laughs> no,
1: no. no, no. Get up? Not that
2: percolator. I was going to get up for a second. I'm not going to do it in the same room. But in Chicago, there's the Southside percolator and then there's the west Side percolator. So the Southside percolator is this joint mm. and then the West Side percolator is this joint. Oh, I, I like
0: that. Yeah, that's the Westside percolator. I've never seen this before. <laughs>
2: I'm steady from the West side on the map, and I'm not from the West.
0: And this is giving me some Nigerian vibes right here. Okay. <laughs> <Stop this in. laughs> no, but did you ever, like, now when you look back in the power of the project, like, because there are a lot of people, because sometimes, you know, how things are transforming people's lives can get lost in the mess right Right. but there are so many testimonies of people who are like oh my gosh like I desired this like it's a new narrative you know coming into like just breaking into culture and so did you ever like see that like at first it's like I'm I'm gonna make like an amazing album that people could dance to in their wedding um but also like how do you respond to the impact of people who are just being blessed by the message
2: it's it's really strange I feel like I didn't I unknowingly was making a, a rebellious project. I used to wow. use the word earlier, like disruptor. Like, I listen back to the big day sometimes and I notice lines that I don't even really remember writing or the intention behind them that wow. speak a lot to letting go of the outside world and what I was so used to. Uh, the project before that, Coloring Book, I wasn't married. Mm-hmm. We were still figuring stuff out and we had just had a kid. and. I spoke a little bit about aspirations towards marriage and hoping that stuff will work out. Um, and then 2018, we got engaged and I feel like my lifestyle drastically changed, you know what I mean? And, and, uh, and for both of us, and for all the people around us too, it's just like, you, you know, you're, you're trying to build a, a new commune, a smaller commune of you and your family and other things have to kind of like fall by the wayside a little bit. And I felt a need, I guess, I felt a need to, like, to discuss the fact that I wasn't going to care as much about the outside world. There's a lot of, you know, uh, you can't come to my, mayor, to, my, to my wedding, like, you can watch that shit on Facebook. There's a lot of lines that are, like, I don't care about the outside and, and kind of rejecting the family structure outside of your own home, your friends, the culture itself and in, in in my industry. And I don't know that I expected to have so many people that resonated with that feeling. You know what I mean? And so many people that were getting married right around that time. I didn't you know, you wouldn't know, but apparently people get married every day. So, <laughs> you know, I I I felt, you know, it's a it's a huge honor to be able to talk about, um, to talk about something that so many people go through or working through or figuring out or aspiring towards and, and having that day, the, the when you get married, your big day is like, it's crazy, it's crazy, even for the, for the guests. When I got married, not to brag, but like Kirk Franklin, Fred Hammond, you know what I'm saying, Hezekiah Walker, like I had like r- r- real real saints Mm -hmm. that love God there to commemorate this covenant that we were making with God in a room full of saints and sinners Mm -hmm. and everybody was connected and I feel like everybody left there changed a little bit and I think that happens at a lot of weddings that same same way that it happens at funerals when people talk about such a big life moment Mm -hmm. it changes people and for the two people that get married on that day that's a day that they never forget, and the marriage is n- never the same as the as that wedding moment. So you gotta really take it in, cause marriage is a struggle, it's a battle, it's a fight every day. But that wedding day is, is cake and it's ice cream, so it's love, it's <laughs> it's God, and I think. Uh,
1: it's good to differentiate because I feel like so many people just want that celebration. You know what I mean? Especially a lot of women want that celebration.
0: You know, one of the things I loved even earlier was how you talked about how God ordains people for you, right? And one of in, in that regard, I think of friendships as well, yeah. how there are people that God puts in your life to bring out your best self. And so even in the music industry, I think about people like Kanye or mm-hmm. Justin, who are yeah. your great friends. Like, how has those relationships impacted, you know, your walk and what you're called to do.
2: I mean, it's been huge, like especially with Justin having somebody that's the same age as me, that's, you know, you know, not I wasn't as young as Justin, I was 19, but like somebody that kind of had to go into adulthood dealing with celebrity and money and stuff like that. I guess a huge, you know, uh, anchor to have somebody that's like who, who anchors their power in God to be like, nah, you don't got like, cause I call, I call both of them when I'm going through stuff and ask for advice. And they call me too to ask me questions. And I'm always thrown off cause Kanye and Justin Bieber are who they are, you know what I mean? But it's like, uh, I think in whatever industry you're in, you know, rap is a, is a easy one cause it's, you know, it's known that it's a evil industry, but in, I think in any job you gotta try and find in your workspace another kingdom builder and yeah. continue your work through there and uh yeah it's like it's it's good because iron sharpens iron and and having a, somebody that could be a soundboard for you is mm-hmm. it's incredibly important and yeah and then it's also like in your obviously in your regular friends you gotta have a community of people that are able to i just started we just started doing a growth group that's the first time i've ever been in something like that and it's yeah. incredibly helpful And also it's not always like just reading the word or just reading, you know, theology books. Like sometimes it's like having spirited debates on what we think Jesus wants out of a specific piece of scripture or a specific moment in our individual lives. And I think we all should have those conversations and, and create those spaces to have those conversations.
1: You should stream that. Because I feel like, <laughs> no, for that real, I feel like powerful. so many people, I really, I, especially since church has been closed, like mm-hmm. I, I'm like really hungry for a place where you could just
0: yeah talk.
2: That would be dope. We should create it. Not our growth group. We get personal <laughs> in that. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, we should do that. <laughs> we need some other people.
0: We're, we, 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 we're making this agreement in the same room.
1: because <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, like people need that. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's, no, for
0: real. Um, so...
1: You know, we talked about your career. We talked about, you know, your faith and, and, and how God is, like, involved in everything that you do. How do you make... How do you differentiate a good decision from a God decision? Mm. And what do you feel is your ultimate purpose?
2: Those are two really good questions, Angie. Look, uh, first, I think... I remember I had to, like... I've had a lot of different points in my career where I had to, like, battle whatever the... Um, Caricature of myself was becoming so. At one point, I was all about school. At one point, I was the drug rapper. at One point, I was the guy rapper. At one point, I was the married rapper. And uh, there was a lot. There was a long time around 2014 when I started getting more involved in, um, you know, social issues in, in Chicago and started social works. That I started having a lot of people calling me positive and a good person and saying that I was morally strong or whatever. And mm-hmm. all of those things are, I have issues with because they're, they're all relative. They're all just like based on what we think good is. Like morality is different based on each person. What's positive is different based on each situation, but God deals in righteousness. And there's, yeah. there is, even though legality is not what we base our salvation on, there are there is a way of life, right? So I think, A good decision just means that it's good for you or it's gonna make you feel good to do something for somebody else. But Mm. but a God decision is based on the fruits of the spirit. Is it kind? Is it, you know, it's, I think most most good decisions are God decisions, but all God decisions are good decisions. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm. That's actually really, that that was a perfect way to explain it. So what do you think your purpose is? Mm -hmm. Or do you feel like it's ever, you
2: wrong. I think my purpose is to go to heaven. I'm <laughs> gonna be honest. I think that's my purpose. If you' listening, God, <laughs> please. No, but I think it's. <laughs> I think it's like. I think I'm supposed to. Supposed to be present in my kids' lives. I'm supposed to speak on what I see going on, right or wrong. I'm supposed to be everything that God made me to be. And and I and then, yeah, I think my purpose at the end of this, this thing that feels long, but every day it feels shorter, like is eventually ascend and go to the real heaven.
1: I like that you said that, though, because I read Ecclesiastes um, Mm -hmm. recently and it was King Solomon, right? Mm -hmm. That's who I I believe. That's who people believe wrote that. Um, He had all these riches. And at first when I was reading it, he's like, life is meaningless. Everything is meaningless. (laughs) This doesn't mean anything. Money. I've had all the girls, everything. And then the last um, paragraph to end it, he says, basically, he summarizes what you say. He's like, Really, the only purposeful thing in life is to do good and yeah. please God. That's yeah. it. You know what I mean. Yeah. And it's true. It's like everything else can feel meaningless at times. Mm-hmm. The only thing that feels purposeful is being a part of a bigger design. You know what I mean. That God, because His purpose lives on after you. You know what I mean. So it's funny that you said that because I'm like I just read that and it reminded me of.
2: No, I think we we all get like very caught up, especially when you're an artist or somebody that's trying to be in public eye or whatever, mm-hmm. and what our legacy means, as it pertains to what people will think about us mm-hmm. after we're dead, or if people will remember our name or remember the works that we did, mm-hmm. and all that stuff is so futile. Because even if they, even if they do remember what you did, like it doesn't really like matter at the end of the day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how do you benefit from it? You know? Mm-hmm. I, and and I think we all do get caught up in what people think or what people understand in terms of our intentions, but at the end of the day, God knows our heart. So you could, you know, give a bunch of money to a homeless person, but if it wasn't really on your heart, or you're doing it to impress somebody, or you're doing it because you just made another bad decision right before it, it's like, God knows who you are and what your intentions are. And so I think it's just, we have to realize that this world is very short and it has an end date, even though we don't know it. And at some point we're gonna have to answer for what we did and how we felt and how we helped and how we didn't and yeah
0: i even love when you talk about like the how we think of legacy like how futile that can be because sometimes when i even think about legacy i feel like it's what you don't see in life um i think about john the baptist there was a time where he was in prison and he is like pissed (laughs) he's just like you know is he the messiah (laughs) (laughs) like you just baptized him calling him the messiah But at the same time, Jesus is hyping him up and he's like, you know, in the greatest, like there's no one like John the Baptist, but he never heard those words, you know. And I think a lot of times if we are just focused on the kingdom, Like legacy is really not what you see because it's the seeds that you sow. It's the lives that are impacted. It's the lives that are pushing a kingdom agenda forward because you existed, you know, and you may never hear about that. You may never see that. And so I love what you're saying because I think it removes this pressure, right? Like my legacy, my legacy, my legacy. And it's like you may never even know the person who is who God is using to continue what you started, right? So that's beautiful.
1: Even like Solomon, he felt he, he wrote this whole book about everything being meaningless. Yeah. But he didn't know that the book would be used <laughs> for us to, to sound, look. And, yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's like about that, yeah. year like how many be well, you,
0: know.
1: <laughs> 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 you know what I'm talking about, but yeah. Not we, we always do this thing where mm. we have people pray. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: And you pray for yourself, Mm -hmm. us, the audience, Mm. and so.
0: And before we pray, you know, one thing I want to say, when when, every time we're doing something like we're committing it to God, we're in prayer about it. And in prayer about this episode, one of the things that stood out so greatly to me um, was your middle name, right? Jonathan. Jonathan. And it means gift gift from God. Mm -hmm. And one thing that like the Lord kept pressing in my heart is that you are a gift from God to this generation. And because of that, there's always going to be a lot of warfare, there's going to be a lot of tribulation, there's going to be a lot of, like. there's a scripture in the Bible that says when tribulation comes because of the word, you know, when God sends something, when God sends a message, when God sends a person, there's all this stuff that will come against you. And he kept showing me how like there's all this like noise around you and what could seem like chaos and things that could even make you have those moments of being fearful. But to remember like now you're a gift to this generation and you're a leader, like many people probably would say that in interviews, And they could say to try to hype you up, but it's the reality, like you are a leader to this generation and what you're doing, even as we talk about legacy, your legacy is going to be imparted in the hearts of so many people. You might not know them. They might just act like they're a fan, but it's beyond that. And so even in this moment of prayer to even speak into the lives of people who feel like like man, God, I'm trying to do this your way, and it just feels like all this stuff is coming against me, right? Because people might see you and they're like, oh, they'll hype chance the rapper, hype you up, but you go home and you know the things that you're talking to God in the secret. But he, that thing, it stood out so much to me that I had to go look at the meaning. I'm like, why is God highlighting his middle name, Jonathan, Jonathan, Jonathan? And it's like, no, because you are a gift from God to this generation. And so I w- we would really love if you could pray for I might
2: need a second. You just know, <laughs> made me extremely emotional. That yeah. blessed me. Thank you for
0: Amen.
2: saying that. I do believe that people talk through God a lot. I did need to hear that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm down to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us this moment to be in connection with you. Thank you for waking us up this morning. Thank you for getting us here safely. Thank you for keeping our family safe while we're away. Uh, Firstly, God, we just want to thank you for being you, for being God and God alone and, and for creating us and forgiving us your son, Jesus the Christ, so that we may be in constant connection with you. We also ask for forgiveness for all the ways that we fall short in all of our sins. And ask that you continue to keep us within your will so that all of your successes can be our successes too. I ask right now for strength for so many people out there that feel weak. I ask for faith for people that feel afraid. Uh, I ask for you to reveal yourself to the hearts of people that that may not have come to know you or know you all the way or may be fearful of, of what would happen if, if they completely show themselves to you. I ask that you continue to bless this, this series that we're on right now, that you, that you use it for your will, that you uh, continue to, to, to gain access to the hearts of many people through this. Uh, and, then I, and then I ask specifically for help for the, for, for the people out there that, that don't know you, that are dealing with a lot of heartache, with a lot of pain, for the people that are in Chicago that are, that are incarcerated, for the people in Chicago that are homeless, the people in the in in this entire country and on your world that are experiencing heartache and pain and brokenness that you might reveal yourself to them and give them the peace that only you can give. Um, I I also ask for uh, your grace over many marriages right now that are experiencing confusion or separation or uh, Distrust, or or whatever the enemy may be bringing against these marriages, I ask that you that, that you send angels to defend them, and that you remind them that their covenant is with you, God. Um, the last thing that I want to pray for is just a safe journey home from Los Angeles for a a great uh, safe end into our day, and that all the people that. We're able to experience this, this moment in this video that they may be touched by your word. And we pray these words in your, your son's precious and holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen.
2: I didn't expect to pray. Definitely not on camera, <laughs> but hey. That was good. It's always good to be in, in community with God.